live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 5, Episode 4. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I'm joined by Sacramento, California native, former Celtic FC forward, U.S. men's national team and Scottish dual national, and current Swiss Army knife down the right wing for the New York Red Bulls, Cameron Harper. Cam, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Hello, 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 Blake. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to getting getting into it, yeah. Of course, looking forward to talking about your career that's had you travel to Scotland and back and looking forward to that. But first things first, Cam, how are you doing? And are you feeling all right after that dirty aerial challenge for Charlotte FC midfielder Derek Jones? And should it have been a red card? Um, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good on this fine evening. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, that's up for debate. That's, uh, I leave those just to the refs. You know, I just I do my job out there. I, I try to play and. And it wasn't the prettiest of challenges, you know. I uh, legend has it. I'm actually still uh, still flipping, you know. I'm still spinning from it. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that it happened. It uh, it was uh, always a hard challenge. But at the end of the day, you know, the ref decided to give the yellow for it, and uh, I'll I'll let him decide. He's the he's the pro. I'm just the player. So so I'll let him do his job. Yeah, and that game saw a number of nasty challenges. I mean, Capetti came through the back of Tolkien. Bronico, his yellow card just got turned into a red, and he's suspended for next game for his studs-up challenge into Omir. And then Jones's elbow into the side of your face while you were up for the header, like we just talked about. Yeah. Dude, why were tensions so high in this game? Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. It was, it was, a, it was a very physical game. Uh, I, I actually – it's funny. I think, you know, we've, we've played Charlotte – in Charlotte's uh, short history, we've, we've played them now four times. And uh, the first time ever being that, that Open Cup game last year. The Open Cup, uh, I want to say around the 16 uh, at uh, MSU. And that, that, was a, that was a feisty one as well. You know, I think, I think they, uh, you know, there's a weird short but now built-in history with, with these two teams. You know, our first game ever being a knockout game and us knocking them out. And we're known for our, for our uh, you know, ability to switch it up and, and be physical and, and be uh, – be aggressive and and I think that they probably I'm going to assume we're coming in with the mindset of we need to match their physicality and aggressiveness and sometimes tempers it seems like flare over a little bit and it seems like that that happened to be a game where where some guys maybe cooked that a little bit too far and 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 end up kind of uh spilling over and but you know I think also the they have a great atmosphere you know they they had a a good amount of people there I think that that always builds into the energy and of the occasion and you know it's a shame it, it, it boiled over and there were, were a few a few hard challenges but I mean that's that's the game you know sometimes you you just have to let the, the ref make a decision and, and you just kind of go about your business so it's unfortunate how, how it happened and maybe some other decision could have went a different way maybe maybe you know that's we'll leave it up for interpretation but it definitely was a, a physical game yeah for sure. But now that we know that you're okay, let's get into some fun, rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's go. Yes, let's do it. All right. So we talked about how chippy that previous match was against Charlotte. And I hear that you're a fan of kind of the aggressive sports, right? You're a big UFC guy, yep. I hear. So I got to ask. Huge UFC guy, yes. If the Red Bulls put on an ultimate fire style tournament, who would win? I would have to go with Lewis Morgan. 
he is trained in the combat. You know, I've, I've had my, my short spells in, in jiu-jitsu years ago, had a few few classes and, and a few of my good friends do jiu-jitsu, but Lewis, uh, long time trained in boxing actually. And uh, I think he's, he's quick, he's powerful. I think he would, he would take it if it was a pound for pound, everyone weighed the same. But then you also have the, the guys like Sean Nealis who would just overpower everybody. So I think you have a little bit of a bit of both. I did not expect that from Lewis Morgan. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a feisty, feisty guy. He's a killer. He's a killer. Huh. So I'm giving it to him. What's the most useless piece of knowledge you know? Yeah, you know, this is, this is one I, I was uh, thinking about. And I do remember a little useless piece of information I did learn from my my uh from a history channel that I looked that I watched years ago and it was an alligator's uh alligator's mouth you know it, it when it when it chomps down very powerful but you supposedly I don't know how true it is you can actually keep a alligator's mouth closed with a strong rubber band or multiple rubber bands or something like that so take that for for how you want to take it but maybe it's true maybe it's false maybe I I'm just but that's that's one thing I learned actually okay all right, yeah, it may seem useless to you, but maybe not to somebody that's listening to this podcast. That's maybe, that's good to know. A, maybe there's someone listening to this podcast who's a farmer in, in North Carolina needs to know that. So there you go. Uh, what's your best <laughs> non-soccer related skill? I would say something I've really gotten into recently that I I, I really enjoy is cooking, actually. Been been getting into cooking. Uh, last year, a little bit when I was injured, I, I learned a few few recipes, and then last last few weeks, actually, I've been I've been getting into into cooking a lot. Um, been learning how to make waffles, different types of seasoning on chicken, and you know, I I try to kind of learn something new every week or two. And this week was uh, a breaded chicken. You know, I, I just have a love for for food. I have a love for uh, you know, my mom's a great cook. She's uh she's an amazing cook. And when I was in Scotland years ago. I would always come in from training. My mom would have something meal prepped. And so she learned all these new dishes. And through that, I kind of just started to enjoy learning how to cook. Very cool. What's for dinner tonight? What's for dinner tonight? Uh, well, I have some rice on. I kind of lemon zested some chicken. A little, little, little bit of lemon in the rice too. A little garlic. A little bit of soy sauce. You know, just kind of a little bit of everything. So that's, that's the meal for tonight. Okay. Uh, do you have a game day routine or ritual? If so, what is it? Um, no, actually, uh, kind of thing running around the team recently that maybe people have seen through JMI is Pedialyte. People have been, a lot of people have been drinking Pedialyte day of the game, day, day before day of the game. That's, that's been a big one. But for me personally, no, no, I, I try to keep it very simple. I try to wake up around similar times, like eight or nine. And then I kind of always have a have a nap, or at least try to try to nap. Uh, it's a little bit easier when it, when I'm in my my own apartment than a than a hotel, but uh, but no, I, I keep it very simple. You know, there's no left boot on before my right. There's no wearing my socks a certain way. There's uh, I'm just I'm a firm believer that you know, as long as I eat well and I sleep well before a game, that you know everything else is going to take care of itself. If one song played every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a very interesting one. You know, I, I uh, a little many people know my favorite artist is actually Neo. You know, I'm a, a big Neo fan, big Louis Capaldi guy, big Khalid guy, you know, different types of music. My favorite song actually, which is, you know, 
a song that my mom also loves uh, is You Raise Me Up by Josh Groban. Okay. Josh Groban. Yeah. I, I, I know that one. Ever guess that. Yeah, I don't think anybody would ever guess that. It's, it's, it's my mom's, one of my mom's favorite songs. It's also my favorite song. You know, so most people would be choosing a little baby or, yep. or the baby people would be choosing Travis Scott. And I'm, I'm going for Josh Groban. Yeah, those Travis Scott's little babies. That's what every player I interview, I ask them that question specifically, yeah. and I get a lot of those hype songs, and that's completely yeah. different. Yeah, unique. Something mm-hmm. there. I like that. Yeah. This one's deep as well. What makes you mm-hmm. happy? What makes me happy? Um, yeah, I, I, a lot of things make me happy. You know, in particular, I think uh, just being around the people I love, you know, being around my family, um, you know, living in New York and moving away from everyone. I, I think I, I cherish those every little moment I get with them a little bit more. You know, my, my dad was recently over and, and that was amazing. Uh, and any, any little bit of time I get to spend with, you know, my family or, or my friends in the off season, I, I really love, you know, I think, um, like, like we said earlier, MMA is something that makes me happy. You know, it's, it's, uh, those are events that, that, I, that I like to watch. Um, just, keeping up with sports but but mainly i would say it's it's just being able to to spend the the time i get with my my family and my friends you know even if it's short it's it's something i i always look forward to and it's something i really do i really do love yeah family first family first absolutely so if you were to write your own autobiography what would you title it and why strong against adversity you know i think uh i you know ever since i was i was young playing in uh playing in in socal or i was always kind of up against it i was always the, the, the smaller boy the the boy who never got as much recognition and and some people may see that won't see that as adversity you know i think it's my own personal adversity i think some other people have way more problems and adversity they have to overcome and but for, for me personally i i had to overcome being someone who who wasn't always first choice and had to work a little bit harder for things than, than other people and and I think that's something that's that's a staple of my mindset today. It's something that my my parents ingrained in me that you know I might have to work harder than other people, but I'm going to get to where I where I belong, and and hopefully I can just kind of keep on pushing. Strong against adversity. That's going to be the title of this podcast, Cam. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's uh, one I've thought about. So before we get into your young professional soccer career that spans eight thousand one hundred sixty-seven miles from Sacramento, California, to Glasgow, Scotland, to Harrison, New Jersey. Let's take it back to your roots. Why soccer? What made you fall in love with the beautiful game? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just kind of ingrained in me. You know, my, my, my mom and dad are from, are from Glasgow. My, my brother is, is born in Leicester. My, my sister was born in, in Luton in London. So, so I think, uh, you know, my, uh, I was born in, uh, in California because my dad moved there for work. That was, a uh, so, so they hadn't been raised in, the, in, in an American household where I'm, I'm playing American football, baseball, tennis, basketball. You know, I'm not someone who was raised playing different sports in the different seasons. My mom, uh, my mom and dad just, my, my dad grew up as a Celtic supporter. My mom grew up in a, in a Rangers family. So I think that soccer life is just ingrained in me. It's something that I, I as soon as I, you know, was, was born, I was, I was kicking a ball around and was something that was quite natural you know I was, I was a boy a little skillful technical player so they just they my parents were going to push it as long as I wanted to play it but they were definitely the people who, who got me into it really really early 
Following your successful youth career with Patiodorus Academy in Costa Mesa, California, you decided to decline an offer to play collegiately at UCLA to pursue a path to pro in Scotland with Celtic. Cam, how did your move to Scotland come about and what factors led to you making that decision? Yeah, it was a very, very, very uh, interesting and unique story, actually. It was, uh, I'd just been called up for my first uh, national team camp. It was an under 16 camp uh, <clears throat> in Florida for IMG Cup. And my dad, who was uh, very proud of me uh, for accomplishing that, decided that he wanted to fly out and, and come and watch and, and support me in a, in a moment that, you know, I, I was nervous to, to go and it was my first time. And my dad was uh, watching one of our games at halftime. He sees a guy in a Celtic cup and decides just to go over to him and, and speak to him just, just because maybe it's a, a Celtic supporter. Um, and turns out his, his son actually played for a, an affiliate team in, in Florida, a uh, Celtic affiliate team. And he says, oh, is, is there any any uh, contact you have of uh, any scouts or anything? How does that work? And he ends up getting uh, the number of a, a guy named Johnny Burns. And from then, you know, we, we contacted him and and Johnny did everything in his in his power to to uh, try and see me. You know, I flew out to, to Florida and he, he trained. I trained with him for a week and he's like, yeah, you know, I think you're I think you're uh, I think you're good enough. I, I think it's something that we can definitely look into. And so he ended up getting me a, a trial out in Scotland and, and everything went well. I, I did great in my, my trial periods and, you know, they, they wanted to sign me. And so this was in the, I want to say, September of 2017. Yeah, September of 2017 when this happened. And I went out again in the November of 2017 and they wanted to sign me in the January. But my mom said that I had to finish my school year first. So I was a junior in high school and she says, you know, you've, you've worked hard. You know, you, you've, you've kept your grades high, you know, because we've, we've pushed your school. And I think that's, you know, the priorities that you need to finish your, your junior year. And at, at that point, we're like, great. And then I believe in the early December, I'd, I'd committed to, to UCLA. And, you know, it, it was always something that I, I always wanted to do. I, I remember visiting UCLA and it was, it was a beautiful campus. The, the coaches were great and, and it just seemed right. It was close to my, my home in Southern California. I would have been able to play in front of my family and at, at the time it seemed right but then I also had this this Celtic thing in the background you know at that point they want to sign the January and it, it didn't it work out because my mom did, uh, pushed against it but uh so we didn't know maybe they were going to decide ah you know maybe maybe we don't want him anymore in, in, the, in the May or the the March or whenever but it, it all kind of started to progress in the summer I went back in the summer of, of uh, I want to say 2018 and uh and yeah i ended up getting offered a contract and signed there kept my college eligibility for for the first year but then decided that you know, I'd, I'd uh i was progressing really well there and, and that was probably a more productive pathway for for me to go pro you know was to be in an environment where i'm getting pushed every day then and not having other school to, to focus on so then we, we decided that it was probably best for me to stay in scotland and, and then and continue my, my career there. And, and now we're, you know, I, I see it as something that I'm, I'm very thankful I did. It was a hard decision for me um, personally, because I was just a, a very young boy. Uh, I was a 16 year old kid moving moving to, to Scotland with with uh, turning down a, a, you know, a, a guaranteed scholarship to, to study almost free of charge at a, at a great school. And I had to turn that down, you know, unknowing of, of what my future would be in, in Scotland maybe it doesn't work out and I 
And then what's my plan? So it was definitely something that was scary for me as a 16 year old. And I had to rely on the wisdom of my mom and my dad to, to help me make the best decision because I wasn't capable of making the best decision at that time. Um, so I'm really thankful for my parents for, for, you know, keeping me there and, and, and pushing me to stay there even when I didn't want to. But it's, it's something that, you know, I look back on and it's, it's really just a cool experience. And I'm, I'm really glad I got to live it. Yeah. You talk a little bit about the unknown of what happens when you get to Scarlet or Scotland, are you going to make it there? Uh, what challenges did you face and talk to me about the sacrifice that coincides with a move at that age? Yeah, it's, it's, I can't even, I don't think um, my words will justify how difficult I found it. Um, and not just me, but my mom moved out there with me. I remember there were, there were a lot of, a lot of nights where me and my mom, we had a, a certain pizza place, which we, we recently found out, unfortunately closed down, you know, our favorite pizza place was called Baffo's. It was a little Italian pizza place and, and a place called Partick, a little, little sub town in, in, uh, in Glasgow. And, and we had a lot of nights there were, we would just be sitting, me and her, and just kind of always talking about, you know, how is life back home? You know, like, I would always be homesick. I'd always be talking about, you know, my friends were doing this today. My, my friends were doing that. And my mom would, would be sitting there, and, and she would she would try to kind of console me and, and make me feel better. But it, w- it was really difficult for both of us. You know, um, my, my mom had to had to leave, you know, her, her home, her husband, uh, my brother, my sister, you know, they, they, she had to come out here too as a sacrifice for her. So I think all the time we, we had to rely on, rely on each other for, for company and, and to kind of get over the, the, the lonely nights. But um, it, it was a lot of sacrifice. It was a lot of, a lot of nights where it was just me coming out from training and my mom taking me to the park and, and doing a little bit extra to, to ultimately try and achieve my, my dream of, of uh, making my first game debut for Celtic. That was a, always a dream of mine since I was, six seven eight years old you know um wearing the little kids extra small um Celtic jerseys you know in my, in my house and so it was definitely a, a huge challenge and especially for a little 16 year old boy but uh I think came out uh better on the, the other side of it so it's definitely something I'm, I'm really thankful for it's a, it was a really really great uh experience yeah we talk sacrifice we talk challenges but now let's talk growth how did you grow both personally and professionally as a soccer player during your three-year stint with Celtic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I went in as a, as a young 16-year-old and, and came out as a, as a further developed 19-year-old. It definitely um, took a lot of sacrifice. And the way I was able to grow as, as a player and as, as a person, I was, you know, I, I found out a lot about myself in terms of that I was, I was able to be taken out of my comfort zone in uh, the warm and sunny California where every day it's 70 degrees, every day in the summer is, is 85 to, to 90 degrees. Some of the best food in the world is there, you know, some of the, the most prettiest sights you'll ever see. And then I get thrown into a, a, a rougher, colder, gloomier Glasgow, you know, where, where you kind of need to, need to fight for your place, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a cutthroat uh, youth environment, you know, at Celtic. I was able to, to find out a lot, you know, and, and I learned how far I can take it as a player. You know, I, I think I, and I used to have doubts by myself, and then when I got there, I learned that I could compete with these these guys that I that were going to go go pro, you know, and and possibly in Scotland. So I was able to to really develop my my ability to handle um, adversity and kind of take take a hard moments, you know, in stride and and really really try to challenge myself, 
you know, I think being 16 and, and challenging yourself at, at such a such an intense environment could, could only improve me. And I, I think it really improved me as a player. It, it allowed me to, to learn to win, learn to every day be in an environment where you need to go 100% and you need to push yourself. And it's, it's something that I definitely came out on the other side a lot better of a player. Yeah, and improve and grow you did, but it took some time to adjust the differences between the Scottish Premiership and MLS, I'm sure. What are some of the main differences between the Scottish Premiership and MLS? You know, I had made one one single appearance for Celtic and, and didn't perform how I would have liked to in that game, I think. Uh, but it was, it was a great experience for, for me coming over. You know, it, it made me learn the harsh realities of first-team football where, where I need to be good in every game, you know, and when I came to, to Red Bull, it was a, it was a, a culture shock for me. You know, it was the first time I'd ever been away from my whole family. I didn't have my mom, didn't have my dad. It was only me. And I had to, you know, work my way around finding a apartment, having to, how do I pay the electric bill? You know, how do I, how do I pay my, my rent at the end of the month? You know, these are all things that they sound so simple, but they're, they they all add up, you know, and I was just a, a young boy coming here. And I think when I came to Red Bull, it was a little bit of a different style. And the the, the league is is growing so fast. You know, the the, the quality of the, the players is growing so fast that, you know, when I got here, you know, you, you I hadn't paid as much attention to MLS, you know, but, you know, you I quickly learned that there were some really, really good players here, you know, and I, I think I found it hard to adjust at the start. And I was just trying to find my way, find my groove. And, um, you know, my first year was tough. I, I believe I only got around 90, 90 to 100 minutes of, of first-team football. It was, it was a really tough adaptation period, but, but it, was, it was one that I, that I needed. It, you know, I gained a lot of resilience in that time. And uh, last year I was able to, to kind of break into the team a little bit more, and, and it, it feels great to be able to, to contribute to your, your team. You know, that's the best thing in the world when, when you know that there's a, there's a place for you in the team and you can contribute. And, be a part of part of wins that was great you know and I I think I just learned that you know MLS is first team football it's it's the same as anywhere else you know it's it's cut throughout the best 11 players play every day and it was something that was was so crucial for my mindset to be in a first team environment every single day test myself and ultimately that was the reason I chose Red Bull in the first place was because they had a plan for me and I knew that the training was going to be top notch and, you know, I, it's everything I, I could have asked for, you know, the positives, the negatives, they, they are all, they're all, you know, perfect in, in terms of being a part of my growth. Yeah, that's a perfect segue, Cameron. So after starting just six matches and 24 total appearances across your first two seasons as a New York Red Bull, you've now started four of the first five matches to start the 2023 <laughs> campaign. So Cam, what was your offseason like? What did you do and what did you work on during this offseason that has allowed you to earn so much more playing time to start this year? Yeah, I think the 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 fact that my, my first season especially was was very slow and didn't live up to my expectations uh, <clears throat> allowed me to push push harder going into last season. And I got an uh you know a heavy quad tear in the start of last season, which kept me out for a good or from the start. But then as soon as I came back. I was able to work myself into the team and and yes you know now when you say it as I only had six starts and then the 24 appearances I had you know that I didn't realize that I thought it was was a little bit more so so now that you've said that actually it's it is 
something that I'm very happy about for this season. I've started four games. You know, it's it's something that I, you know, now that you say it in numbers and it's it's a little bit more of a reality now. That's amazing, actually. And so, I think this year I went into the went in with the mindset where I had a lot of very good moments last year. You know, I had a lot of big contributions in in games and. And I think it was just putting uh, all the little pieces that I, I had set aside together, which was, you know, staying fit, contributing uh, chances, being good uh, defensively, being good offensively, and, you know, being able to tactically fit in different positions in the team. And I, I think this year it's definitely clicked a little bit more. I had a, had a, a full preseason, which I didn't have last year. Um, it, it's just one more year of, of uh, experience, you know, in, in the system. And that's, that's something that I think is, is crucial, especially in the rebel way. And, you know, I, I just, I go out there every day, um, every day of training, every day of every match, uh, should I say, with, with a, you know, just trying to give 100% and, you know, uh, 100% of my focus, 100% of my physical power. And, and I think this year at, at the start of it, it's, it's definitely, definitely been, been, um, been a great start for, for me personally. I think we deserve more points than we've, we've gotten, definitely. And I think when the when the, the whole team finally has that clicking moment, I think we're going to be a be a really good team this year. But um, yeah, I think it's in the off season. It's just kind of working on my mental fortitude and and just sharpening up little tools, which I think has has really kind of helped me this year. Yeah, flexibility has been key to you so far this season as well. You've been tasked with playing three different positions to start the year. Coming from Celtic and even in your youth career with Patty Adores, you primarily played in a front three and sometimes even as a ten. To start the season, however, you've played right back twice, right wing back versus the crew, and you started as a right winger over the weekend in a 4-2-3-1. Cam, talk to me about your mentality, which you kind of did, understanding of tactics and your style of play and how that's enabled you to transition from position to position for the Red Bulls on that right side. Yeah, I think I think some of my attributes definitely helped me in that way. You know, I, I believe my, my strengths – are being being quick, being technical, and being uh being agile, being being able to move well, and, and I believe my my IQ is, is quite well, is quite good. Um, and so I think that's definitely helped me in the, in the transition. You know, I, I showed showed last year um, in glimpses, you know, to, to the to the gaffer that, that I could play multiple positions. You know, I, I remember coming in as a as a ten against Austin and getting a goal and assist. And then I remember, you know, playing most of the season as a as a wing back and, and contributing well. And then away in, in Montreal last year, where I got my injury, um, I played right back. So I, I think I also played a little bit of right back in Philly away. You know, I, I think I had little moments that showed the, the coaching staff that I, I could do it. And they just had to see more of it and kind of be be able to to be be convinced that they could trust me in, in multiple positions. I, I remember this year going into Orlando, uh, they decided to put me a right back and, and just the fact that they showed trust in me to, to play right back, you know, I, I just had to do my best to repay them and to repay the team. And thankfully, you know, it's been a, been a good start for me personally. And I, I just want to kind of keep playing well, wherever, wherever the, you know, the gaffer needs me and wherever I can help the team. So now that you've played all three of those positions, which position do you think fits your style best within Stuver's system and why? To be fair, I enjoy all of them, but but I think my skill maybe is uh soon as maybe if I had to choose ideally, would be a wing back. And 
I, I also do think I'm, I'm a good right back. I think I, I'm my qualities in terms of my, my, my ability to get up and down the field and my athletic gifts and my technical ability allows me to, to be a good, a good right back too. But then I also think, you know, at, at right 10 I, I, or right wing, I, I do also have, have qualities that can help me. So ideally, you know, I, I think uh, I showed a, showed a good, I showed for myself good uh, as wing back last year, but I think I'm ready to play wherever, wherever I'm needed is, is my best position. You know, wherever I'm playing on, on a Saturday is, is my best position. You know, it's a good mindset to have, but you're not the only guy competing for minutes on that right side, Cam. Dylan Nealis and Kyle Duncan are also in the mix for right back and the right wing back positions. Talk to me about your relationship with those guys, the competition on a daily basis and training and how you use that competition to drive you. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the staple of our team that makes us so strong is that everyone gets along very well and everyone's willing to, to fight. Doesn't mean, doesn't matter if it's someone in a different position or in your same position. You know, I think um, Dylan and Dylan and Kyle are, are older than me. They have maybe a little bit more experience than I do. And so they're, they're people that I definitely, I, I look to, to learn from. You know, I, I see Kyle as someone who contributes so much attacking wise, very strong defensively. And then I, I see Dylan as someone who is a rock just an absolute rock in the back and anybody will ever get beat. And, you know, it would take a, it would take a freight train to try and get, try and get by Dylan. So those are, those are people that I, I see their, their skill sets. And I just, I look at them every day and I, I say, you know, I can learn things defensively from Bill. I can learn things offensively from Kyle. And so I just, I think competition in any spot is, is really healthy for, for your, your growth and improvement as a player. You know, I, I, when I see Dylan having a, a great session, I'm like, okay, you know, so, so, what now what do I have to do to to try and get a team over him or or if he's if he if Kyle is say gets an assist I'm like well okay so now you you realize all these these factors are are only striving or driving me to to have to perform better and better and I you know I I forced uh Kyle and Dylan to also have to perform better you know it's just a very healthy competition for, for for all of us so whether it's that competition or something else, the Red Bulls have been record-breaking good defensively to start the season. Mm-hmm. Through five matches, you guys have conceded the fewest shots on target in MLS history with just seven shots on target allowed. Why is this defensive unit clicking the way it is to start the season? I think you look back to my first season here, you know, we, we, we almost missed playoffs, but we went on a great run where we barely conceded any goals. I think last year we also didn't concede many goals, you know, other than a few games, we, we've always been strong defensively. And I, I think, I think this year is, is just, you know, we're, we're reaping the, the fruits of our labor where, you know, we, we work on these things so often. Um, and there's just so much cohesion back there. You know, I, I think attackers definitely go into games seeing Sean Nealis and, and Andres and they're, you know, they're like, okay, we're, we're in for, we're in for a, a battle today, you know? And I think, you know, when you're able to put up these numbers where you you only concede what seven shots in, in five games, seven shots on goal in five games, you know there's there's maybe a mentality for teams coming in where they're like, okay, we need to really work hard if we want to get our chances, and and you know every week we we, we keep producing and we, we keep playing well defensively. And I think it's just that cohesion, aggressiveness, and and it's the tactics are, are like you know they're, they're like on the palm of our hand. There's something that we work on so much that it's just natural for us now, and and I have to give it good up to all of our defensive players and our team that well performed absolutely unbelievable this season so far. But it's, it's early days and, and you know we have to, we have to keep at it. It's only five games and 
Yep, long season ahead of you. But we've talked defense. Now let's talk about some tape on the attacking side of your game. We'll compare two different clips. Hopefully you remember these. Uh, one from your goal last season versus Austin and the second from this past weekend that ended with a shot in the 49th minute. Uh, both situations were 3v3 in transition and the opponent's box with the ball on your foot in the match versus Austin. You bathed the defender into a sliding challenge with a fake shot to get it onto your left foot and you slotted it home from a good angle. This past weekend, in a very similar situation, you took the shot from inside the corner of the 18 from a tougher angle with Omir and Lukinas crashing the box. As both of those plays were unfolding in real time in front of you, how did they differ, if you can recall? And what could you have done differently during this past weekend's play that could have allowed you to get off a higher percentage shot or set up a teammate? Yeah, I think last year in Austin, I remember Drew wins interception. He drives a little bit and, and plays me. And remember, I'm 1v1, the, the center back's in front of me, and I, I either have to control it and shoot, control it on the line, or, or kind of cut inside. And I end up coming in and kind of fake, faking the shot to get my left foot and and had the, the, the center back, you know, he committed to a challenge. And I think I, I played that one perfectly. I think it was, uh, if I took it, continue to take it out wide, he could have pushed me, pushed me out. If I, if I shot, it was a difficult angle. You're right. So I think I played that one, one well. And then the one in Charlotte, I remember, I believe it was a header. It gets put onto Elias. He, he kind of flips it around the corner for me and, and I, and I take it. And, you know, I've watched it back a few times. I definitely, had more than one option you know I, I maybe could have kept dribbling I could have squared it to uh, Omir I mean there was a was a defender come back so I think that would have been a, a tough ball to play and it could have been intercepted so I was thinking you know we're in this position I can either I can square it maybe get intercepted maybe you know in hindsight that may might have been the, the better option but I decided to shoot and I, I actually think the the it was a good shot and it was a great save from the goalkeeper. I think he, he done very well for it. Maybe in a, another situation, you know, I think that's why the, the forwards in, in most leagues get, get paid the most, the most recognition because these, these moments in, um, in games, when you're in the box, things change within a split second, you know, and I could go back to that moment and replay and maybe I, I pass it in a, an alternate universe, you know, maybe in a, another time I passed the ball, but I decided that I thought, you know, I, I had made a good run. I was in a good portion of the box, tried to kind of hit it high to the near post and keeper saved it. Maybe I uh, could have kept dribbling. Maybe I could have hit it low. You know, you, you, you'll never really know what the right answer to these situations are. Yeah. No, they were just two players that had similarities, two different outcomes. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask and pick your brain on that one. But, but good response there. Uh, Cameron, you're off to a great start, like we've talked about, to start your 2023 campaign but there's plenty of season left. What are your expectations and goals for the team and for yourself for the rest of the year? Yeah, I, I my expectation for the team is, you know, last year with the open cup heartbreak, you know, I think that was one that really played on my mind a lot. And I, I just want to win a trophy. I want to win my first trophy of my professional career. I think ideally it'd be MLS cup. And I think we have the strength this year to, to win it. And, you know, I think that would just be something that would, would really just, just be an amazing, amazing experience to, to win MLS Cup with, with you know, fellow guys that I've now played, you know, almost two and a half years with, you know, Jamie and, and Danny Edelman and these guys who, you know, I count as, as great friends of mine and I'd love to just win a trophy with them and be able to share that experience, you know, in 20 years, we could be, we could be talking about the MLS Cup that we won and, and laugh about it and, and joke around and, and have some fun about it. But, and then personally, I, I, I just want to just, 
kind of continue to, to see growth in my play. You know, continue to hopefully challenge for, for a starting spot and, and contribute, you know, goals, assists, big defensive plays for the team and, and just kind of continue on this path I'm on where hopefully I can kind of con continue my, my trajectory of, of playing more games, getting more experience and being able to, to win games and hopefully win a trophy. That's, that's the biggest one for me is to win a trophy for, for not me personally, not only me personally, not only our team, not only our coaches, but also the fans, you know, the fans come come every week to our games and and they spur us on and they you know this is that's something that I'm always always very thankful for it's, it's something I cherish is you know people pay their own hard-earned money to, to come to our games and being able to repay them with a win and in a trophy would, would be just absolutely you know fantastic I think it's something that that we all want you know so speaking of you with with your your Columbus yeah no I would I would years ago so I, I think it's it's our turn now you know yeah but you guys you guys spoiled uh some three points from us a couple weeks ago cam <laughs> damn it sorry 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 not sorry okay uh you were talking about red bulls fans do you have any closing thoughts for them that uh, may have been listening to the podcast yeah uh i mean I, it's like i said i think they're they're people they're the people that we wish i'm especially so thankful for you know they, they come to our games and they they spur us on and it's you know, it's it's just an honor for for all of us to to be able to play in front of them and, and to have their support all the time. And you know, we are just you know chipping away every day, trying to get better, trying to improve, and, and trying to to give them something that will, will will make them happy, make them make them cheer. You know, that's something that we're 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 always aiming to give them. You know, it's they're the guys that they're the people that that make our club run. You know, without them, there's no rebel. There's no near rebels without without the fans. So we're just trying to give back to them as, as much as we can and allow them to, to enjoy the moments that, that we can just as much. Awesome. Well, Cam, thanks for hopping on to MLS Gone Wild, man. Blake, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you having me on here. Of course. Best of luck going forward. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild Season 5, Episode 4, featuring New York Red Bulls winger Cameron Harper. Be sure to tune in to his upcoming match this weekend as they take on Atlanta United in Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Enjoy the weekend slate of games, and remember the name, Cameron Harper.